Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Christopher Lennertz is a composer, an award-winning composer, producer, conductor, and arranger for film, television, video games, and records. He first made a splash with his breakout movie, Alvin and the Chipmunks, which grossed over $360 million worldwide. Since then, he's proven to be a steadfast talent through films like the highly, well, like Horrible Bosses, uh, also more, more recently Ride Along, and a number of other films, as well as television and video games. We're joined today on Film School by the composer Christopher Leonard. Chris, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Glad to be here. Ah, thank you for being here. And uh, as I mentioned, the most recent success in your career has been um, the the work that you did um, on Ride Along. I think a film that would surprise a lot of people uh, that was that has been the number one film for a couple of weeks running and. Um, what was it like? Well, let's let's kind of frame this as you know. How did you get into uh, film composing, and what was your background in music before you you made that that leap? Sure, sure. Let's see. Well, I you know I, I really started uh, you know loving music at a very young age. I think I wrote my first song my first song in fifth grade, and I won like a contest, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then started playing the trumpet a little bit when I was nine, and then really when I was uh, you know, twelve. I, I switched over to guitar when I uh, when I heard Van Halen and decided that uh, <laughs> that guitar is a much better way to get girls. Uh, so that's, that's sort of where I went, and that sort of brought me in into high school where I you know I did musical theater and I was in choir. But but basically, my real love at that point was you know I was in the rock bands and I played on the weekends every weekend and and that kind of stuff. And and so as I got more into it. I started getting really into music theory, and I started getting more into classical, and uh, you know. And when that happened, I, I, you know, I decided I want to pursue that end of it, and I came out here to uh, to college. I went to USC and uh, started out playing, you know, as a guitar major. Wanted to be a guitarist, um, and then I uh, I really got lucky, I guess. I don't know. Some sort of twist of fate ended up with uh, me in my sophomore year sneaking into a uh, recording session at Universal Studios and and the recording session was Henry Mancini oh my. about a year and a half before he died and uh and I watched the session it was about 8 hours and I I packed up I went home and the next morning I went in and I changed my major to composition wow. and uh you know and I just like it was that and I, and I had really grown up with film music because I you know spent every summer in Boston I was born in Boston I, and and that was when John Williams was the you know conductor of the Boston Pops and uh-huh. Star Wars and Indiana Jones were coming out and E.T. and I kept seeing that every summer and and so I knew film music a lot and I was a big I was a big film fan and I was a big music fan so I I then saw you know I, I met Henry Mancini and I saw him work and I just decided that's what I got to do so I uh, I then studied in in uh, at USC and I got you know, luckily, I studied with uh, amazing uh, people like Elmer Bernstein. Oh my! Um, which was amazing, and and then I got out of school and and began working for uh, for a couple of you know my heroes at the time. I, I worked for Basil Polidorus for four years, who did Conan and and uh, Red October and and uh, RoboCop, and he was amazing and and a real mentor to me, and 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 he taught me a ton. And then I went and worked with Michael Kamen, 
who did uh, you know Robin Hood and, and Die Hard. So I got this great training as an apprentice to these guys, and then at that point was just really starting to get my own career rolling and did a lot of independent movies and then started doing some television that, that was, would get canceled but at least gave me opportunities to sort of show what I can do. And then, uh, and then once the, the 90s came around, I started uh, you know, working in video games, and I did, uh, uh, took over Medal of Honor from Mike, Michael Giacchino and, and did a bunch of those and some James Bond games and started really getting a reputation for being able to do a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah. You know, and then things really changed when I got uh, when I got Supernatural, which uh, my friend from USC created, uh, and then uh, and I did that, and we're in our ninth season right now, and I got an Emmy nomination for that, so that really opened up the door to television. And then when I got to uh, when I got to about 2007, I uh, I had my first movie in a you know first real movie in a theater, and that was Alvin and the Chipmunks. It made 360 million dollars. Nice. All all of a sudden, I was a film composer too. So. Uh, you know, I've been really, really fortunate that I've gotten an opportunity to work on things that people like, yeah. and uh, and apparently I've I've done a, a job that, that that people appreciate. So it's really been great, and I you know I, I've been you know just lucky to be able to first of all work in all three fields in in yeah. movies and video games and TV, but then also really be able to do every genre. So to be able to you know this year I got to do you know Identity Thief and Ride Along. But at the same time, I got to do Thanks for Sharing, which was a very, very serious movie. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then the TV stuff is much more on the, the horror and creepy side. So it's it's nice to be able to really, you know, stretch and, and do lots of different styles. And, and you know, creatively, it's it's rewarding. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's really, you know, keeps me from getting getting stuck or, uh, or, or bored at all. I'm going to take you back to the... Uh to the session with Henry Mancini, um, is there something in particular or a, a, a certain sort of vibe that you got from watching him work and watching the orchestra, the interplay between him and the orchestra and all? What, what, was there something specific about that? Absolutely. That, okay, what was it? I think, I think the thing that spoke to me the most was, first of all, the excitement of recording with the orchestra was fantastic. But the thing that was really neat was that the... The producers of the of the of the movie it was an animated movie. It was and 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 Hanna Barbera were the producers. And and one of the pieces was a, sort of a classic orchestral comedy piece. And they said, you know what? It just doesn't have the right energy. And uh, and and so instead of humming and hawing, all Henry did, uh, Hank did was was run to the other room, take a break, sat at the piano scribbled out a bunch of stuff, gave that to the copyist, and within an hour, that same exact piece of, of movie, had, now, he'd, now he'd turned it into a big band chart. So it was all jazz and lots of energy and a drum set and, and a walking bass line. It was a completely different style of music, and it completely changed the scene, and everybody loved it. And, and it, was, it, it really showed me, first of all, how much power music can have as far as changing dynamics of stories and, and and giving people different experiences. But the other thing is I was such a lover of lots of different kind of music. Mm -hmm. And to me, the idea of spending your whole career every day doing the same thing, whether that be playing rock every day or playing or writing symphonies every day or just playing jazz clubs, I always hated that idea. And I always kept feeling like that was 
that was going to be the problem with with a career in music was you kind of do one style and i and i don't i didn't want to have to pick yeah. and so here's this guy who went from classical to jazz to rock to whatever in one day yeah. and and to have that kind of eclectic mix that really opened my eyes and i said wait a second that's the way you do it that's the way you you know you write emotional m- moving music but going you know going all over the place and really being able to explore all different kinds of, of styles. And and that ability to be able to do that is is such a uh, a gift to be able well to to be able to appreciate the different kinds of music that you just described jazz, classical, rock. Uh, you know I would imagine it's less so today but it, in during the early days of Mancini's career I'm sure there wasn't a lot of crossover so he obviously took it upon himself to become familiar enough to be able to to hop a, a hopscotch across these different genres. Yeah, there's not, I mean, even to this day, there's there's people who do one thing well, and there's a lot of people who do a couple things well. Yeah. But, you know, but and, and it's a blessing and a curse, quite honestly, because, you know, when you do one thing really well, so everyone, you know, go to guy trying to go to get get that person yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if you're, if you're more of a, a jack-of-all-trades, sometimes it takes a little longer because people think they don't know what you do or that you're not it's not as is specific as a specialist but you know the composers that i really look up to you know really can do that and you know guys like uh you know like alan silvestri you know he can do comedy one day and do you know you know he goes he went from you know father of the bride to predator to back to the future to mm-hmm. you know what it's like that to me that is that is a their career to have and that's really the the way to to be able to not get stuck in a rut, and, mm-hmm. and I love that. And so I think um, I'm hoping that that's really, you know, the way my career continues to progress. Yeah, it looks like it from the uh, from the different projects that I that you, you've talked about and I, I, I've seen in your resume. It looks like you're going in that direction. I, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Christopher Leonard, uh, the director, I'm sorry, the director, the composer, uh, for a number of films, including more, most recently Ride Along, as you said, Thank You for Sharing, Identity Thief, uh, a girl in progress, um, horrible bosses, a lot, and those are just the the film and Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh my gosh! I mean, it, this Soul Plane. Oh my God! You you were in all the Soul Plane. I I, uh, I, I, co- I, I co-wrote some of the music. For that. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Um, um, Meet the Spartans, uh, uh, Open Road. Yeah, this is just I don't know how many. I'm guessing there's probably twenty five, thirty films that you've uh, been. A part of, as well as television, you said Revolution and Supernatural, The Strip, Brimstone, and a lot of video games, and including um, you just mentioned. Uh, where am I? Oh, here I'm sorry, I hadn't got to video game. One second, I. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Madden 25, Starhawk, Mass Effect uh, 2, Mass Effect 2, Overlord, Godfather 2, James Bond, Quantum of Solace. Uh, the Simpson game. These are, and I know, I don't know a lot about video games, but I know these are high-end, very, very popular uh, video games. Medal of Honor, well, three different Medal of Honors. So uh, congratulations on all that. And that's, uh, Thank you. Yeah. Um, you, you went to the, uh, you went to, uh, you mentioned USC, the Thornton School of Music, and it sounds like there, it was quite a, a, a great place for you to, for the exposure to the different kinds of music that uh, that you've become so proficient at, uh, and and also you spoke earlier about this mentor uh, relationship that you had with a number of composers, and I found uh, having interviewed a few composers now, this seems to be a very key part of 
the progress of the of their careers is that they 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 found one or maybe two people that have really shown them the ropes and, and given them the opportunity as well to get into the business. Uh, talk a little bit about that mentor relationship that you've had. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was invaluable. I don't think there was any way other than that to get the kind of knowledge that I needed quickly. I think you know, I think school was great. I think. Uh, you know, experience and sort of working my way up in indie films, which I did, was fantastic. But I think there was nothing better than watching people do what you wanted. There's nothing better than watching people do what you want to do well mm-hmm. and and really succeed at it. As far as some modeling yourself after that, and that comes that's both musically um, and also process and and even politically. There's a lot of competition in this field, and there's there's a lot of people who want to do it, and there's only a few people who can do it well. And uh, you know, and to watch somebody, uh, you know, navigate that the way Basil did, and and Michael Kamen was a you know was was one of the best there ever was as far as you know really making producers happy and giving people what they want, and you know, and just being a a, a, a savvy you know, businessman as much as, uh, you know, composer, because it's all freelance. So mm-hmm. you really have to have the political savvy to make sure that all the producers in the studio and the director and everybody gets what they want. And uh, and to be able to navigate that is something that really can be learned best by watching someone else do it well. And then, you know, it's, it's I think that's it's so obvious that that's one of the reasons that, you know, that, people who work with Hans Zimmer tend to go on and do so well because he's pretty much the best there is at that right now mm-hmm. in terms of, 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 of just making clients happy and, you know, and giving people an experience that they want to have over and over again, you know, and, and so people who watch him do it, learn how to do it his way or, or at least, you know, develop from there. And mm-hmm. that makes them extremely, extremely poised for success. So, you know, I think it's it's a great opportunity to do. And, you know, if anyone ever asks, you know, the best way to sort of break into the business, not the only way, but the best way is, I think, is to is to really get some solid experience watching successful people do what you want to do. Well, and, and you mentioned, um, the, you know, this, the, the, I would assume then on your, from your point of view to have someone like a Michael Kamen have the belief in you has got to reinforce your own self confidence and your 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 conf- and your confidence in your work. That's got to be an invaluable feeling to have. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the fact that, and especially both of them were very supportive. Michael gave me my first opportunity to actually be an orchestrator and, and do some real orchestration on 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. Basil allowed me the, the first opportunity to really program. For, for a big movie, and on you know I worked on Jungle Book, the live action one with him, mm-hmm. and uh, Free Willy Two, and those kind of things. And you know that the fact that they trust you to do that, you know it does. It gives you the idea that wow, I might actually have what it takes to to, to do this, and that's that's so important. And I, I appreciate that. Now let's let's go back because you go back to the Henry Mancini uh, moment in your life where you watched him work. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of you know, they wanted more of a comedic feel to the to the scene, and he was able to to to, man, to generate that. I'm going back to the people that, uh, from my limited amount of ex- um, knowledge in in the world of professional composing, but Carl Stalling was somebody who seemed to be a guy that could 
It's not, and this is something that most people don't realize when you're watching a film, how important music is to setting your mood, to, uh, to pulling you through a, a, a scene in a way that the director wants it to be seen. Um, but Carl Stalling was, talk about a great comedic composer in my mind. Oh, he's, uh, Carl was a genius. Um, you know, and I got the opportunity, luckily, I mean, I actually got the opportunity to do the, uh, all of the new uh, 3D Looney Tunes shorts that came out in the last three years before the Warner Brothers movie, and oh, I wow. scored them. Yeah. And, I, and I actually got the, basically my, my job was to score them as if I was Carl. Wow. <laughs> you know, which, which was a big, you know, big shoes to fill. But, yeah, no, I mean, and any time... Anytime somebody scores comedy really, really well, yeah. uh, it, it so much has to do with timing, yeah. the way you comment on a joke, the way you set up a joke, mm-hmm. and that's something that's it's actually really difficult, and people don't get much credit for it. You know, the people get people have a tendency to get a lot of credit for writing emotional, broad music, which by no means is that easy to do, but it, it, it's very. I tend to think it's you know it, it it's it's much less specific. I feel like you can yeah. get a yeah. you can get a lot you can create a mood and let the actors take it from there. Yeah. Whereas you have to be really careful because if you if you if you write comedy music wrong in a scene, you can actually make it not funny. Yeah. And that's uh, that's a big thing that people don't realize. And when you look at people who do, you know, great comedy, and and there's really nobody who did it better over a long period of time in, in big action or in big movies than Elmer Bernstein, who I studied with. And, okay. You know, when you consider, you know, he, he did every, he did Stripes, he did Caddyshack, he did, uh, you know, Can, gun, trading, uh, trading Places, Ghost, Airplane, you name it. Didn't he do and Ghost? Uh, Ghostbusters, Ghost yeah, Man. Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just one after another for about 20 years. Yeah. And his genius wasn't just that the music was great, but he knew exactly where to put it yeah. to get everybody to laugh. Yeah. And I think that is not easy to do. And, yeah. and, and, and I think watching his movies, that, they were such favorites of mine anyway. I grew up with those movies that, that, that it gave me hopefully a little bit of an insight as to how to sort of do it when I finally got the opportunity. Yeah. Elmer Ross, did you say Animal House? I think he did that as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, and, and the reason I brought that up in in the course of our conversation, by the way, we're speaking with Christopher Leonard, the director, composer. I keep doing that. I'm so sorry. Compo- I'd love to be the director. Yeah, com- <laughs> composer for a number of films, including a lot of uh, funny uh, comedic films, and that's one of the reasons why I want to ask you about it. Including Right Along, Identity Thief, um, and other horrible bosses uh, um, that you obviously have inculcated into your mindset that ability to be able to accentuate jokes, accentuate the funny, and it is timing. And that's what comedy is. It's all about the timing. So, of course, the, the music has to be compatible with the setup and the, and the payoff in those, in those circumstances. Um, and I, I want to take you back. Obviously, you may describe your transition from, you know, student from rock star. I don't know how... Did you? Were you in a band that you? I mean, yeah. you were a guitar player. You just kind of, kind of. I was a fun. guitar player, and, and we were in bands, but the, the bands were never famous. So, okay, yes. but you enjoyed it, obviously. Uh, you had yeah, a good time exactly. With it. It well, speaking of your work in the in the realm of rock music, and I consider Ozo Motley kind of a, a fusion rock band. Sure, what a great band, by the way. I've seen them in concert a couple of times, so I can attest to uh, their musical acumen, and they're great. They're amazing. Yeah, and what a performance! I mean, talk about a great live performance. I mean, they're in the they're in the audience for a, a good part of the show, just having yep. a great time. Just wonderful Absolutely. stuff. You uh, worked on 
on their record Street Signs, in which you were awarded a Grammy for the Best Latin Rock album. That's yeah, we uh, we I had worked on a movie called Tortilla Heaven with them about two years before, and become friends with uh, with them, including their bass player Will Dog, who's sort of the 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 mastermind or, or sort of the the, the head uh, big cheese of uh, <laughs> in, in a funny way he's the funny guy who sort of you know leads a lot of the band's charges and uh, and so will called me and said you know we were doing this record and we want to put some orchestra on it and so we ended up uh, you know recording an orchestra in Prague on about four tracks and 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 a lot of them became the singles and and the album did really really well and got a Grammy and and so for me it was great to be able to sort of lend my part to their sound uh and uh you know we've been friends ever since and in fact they were actually here at my studio last night playing so uh it was pretty great to be able to continue to to work with them and 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 be a part of their lives I've, like like you i've seen them probably 20 times okay <laughs> and they are so, they're one of the best live bands that have ever existed yeah and, a great show. and just great energy just great oh, and absolutely and they and really try to pull the audience into the performance as well which mm-hmm. which makes for a great experience as just someone who's who's there to, to enjoy the music um i want to take you back okay let's go back uh when you would were having gone through the educational process the mentoring process what was it like for you the first time you were in a in a theater in a real life theater with a bunch of people uh sitting there watching this movie when you heard your music come up played whatever the circumstances were what what was going through your mind uh in terms of just the feelings that you were having for for that first time um fear okay like, <laughs> like deathly oh my god fear are they going to like it Am I going to hear every mistake that I thought happened that I couldn't, didn't have time to fix? Um, you know, it, it, all of that. I, I was very, you know, I, I was listening the whole time, my heart pounding, just hoping that you know, I could tell whether, you know, if it was, a, you know, in Alvin, it was like when there were the, scene, the sweet scenes when Theodore crawls in bed with Dave because he has a nightmare. You know, I started like just look around like, is it working? Are they, are they all saying awe? And you know, at the end of the thing, when when you know they're trying to get away from from getting captured, it's like, is everyone just do people lean? Are they leaning forward? Are they shifting in their seats? Did it work or did I blow it? So uh, yeah, it was nice to it was nice to sort of look around. But for the first, uh, I don't know if I think for the whole thing, I pretty much was was you know sweating and, and heart was pounding. And you know, and honestly, I, I, in all honesty, I, I try not to spend too much time going listening to my music or especially going to the theater to see stuff because you know it's it's sort of nerve-wracking because i do know where all the skeletons are hidden okay. in terms of you know oh this that wasn't really the way i wanted it to happen but it's fine and so i'm a bit of a perfectionist so so for me it's 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 pretty tough to go back and and sort of experience that again and sort of remind myself of all the things i would have done differently or or that didn't quite happen the way I envisioned. So, yeah. well, you know, it's a toughie. You had to have some sense of pride, though. I mean, wasn't oh, there? A, I mean, of course. of course you did. But it's just, yeah, I, I understand. And believe me, I'm not trying to compare the two, but uh, I can barely listen to the sound of my own voice. And uh, so I understand yep. <laughs> there's no, this kind same. of trepidation. And, and the funny thing is, for me, it's like my, usually I'm very critical of the music, mm-hmm. of, you know, whether the oboe is in tune or whether the, okay. the phrase was rushed. But what I'm proud of, and I do think I do well, very, very well, and I think, um, I think is one of the, the joys of what I do, 
is that I am able to go in and say, okay, well, even with all these things that I can beat myself up about musically, it's doing what it needs to do to make the movie enjoyable. Yeah. And that's what I like. That The great thing about Ride Along, for example, doing so well is I knew it was a fun movie, and I knew that how many, how hard everyone had worked on it, and I knew how you know how much you know Kevin Hart had put into it, and I knew you know all of this kind of thing. So for me to to have it be successful and to see a theater where they're actually clapping and yeah. laughing and yeah. all that, that that's very gratifying because I, I can fully appreciate and sort of be proud of the fact that when it comes to sort of making making a, a piece of entertainment that people can go and really enjoy for an hour and a half and get away from their everyday yeah. lives. It's like that worked. Yeah. And I think the fact that that worked and, and, and made people happy is, is really fantastic. And I, I am very proud of that. And I'm glad you brought that up because when I was saying earlier that, you know, it was a surprise that it's been the number one film and all that is because it's, it's in a season of the heavyweights, the pe- the films that have been nominated for an Academy Awards. You know, there's a sense that, this is a serious time for film and uh, and a kind of uh, an entertainment, uh, openly nakedly entertaining film comes along like Ride Along, and there's a lot of guffawing and harumphing about that that kind of a film. But you're right; it's what people enjoy. They 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 there's a visceral reaction to the funny in that, and and you know, there's nothing at all wrong with that. It's just it it in this context a very serious part of the season of the film season. That uh, anyway. On that aside, yeah, and, and and in fact, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to uh, you know to Universal for not only scheduling it so brilliantly, where where I think it actually played, it was the other choice. It was when people don't want to, you know, they've been watching three, four weeks or five weeks of serious Oscar contenders, and then then there was you know they kind of Universal said, okay, well you know by this time. They might just be ready to just go laugh and be silly. Yeah, and then and they were, and then they promoted the film so well to let people know that it was going to be fun and funny and not heavy, and uh, and that was just a smart, smart move, and and I'm glad that it worked out that way. Yeah, and Kevin Hart is obviously he's hotter than a, you know. Than oh, a, I know he's on fire. Yeah, he's so on fire. So so it's good. You know, congratulations on that. Uh, are is there anything uh, in, anything you want to talk about uh, work wise that you're working on now moving forward? Um, does it, well, look, but before you say that, does you know? Obviously, you've had a tremendous amount of success. Is there is there one film that in your in your catalog of films that that really just kicked it into another gear for you? Uh, where people and I assume with right along this is a problem maybe another another uh, another kick in the in the career pants here if you want that's the right way to say sure. it but sure. you now is there one film that you just went okay I've arrived I mean I now I've, I feel like I, I I have all the bona fides that I need to 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 walk into any office any producer's office uh, I think there's a couple of them you know I think I think when you you know, whenever you have something that's a big success that where the where the music works and helps tell a story, I mean, I think there you know there's no doubt that Alvin yeah. opened up a huge amount of doors, and what then the doors that opened up were family film doors, mm-hmm. and then and then when I finally got horrible bosses, all of a sudden it opened up non-family R-rated funny doors. Um, and then, you know, now I'm hoping Ride Along, one of the great things about Ride Along is it had a lot of action in it as well as comedy. So mm-hmm. this may open up some real action doors uh, in movies. And I think, 
you know, the movie Adam, while it wasn't a huge necessarily hit around, you know, and then around the country, it, it won an award at Sundance and a lot of right. people in Hollywood saw it. And that was sort of, you know, that was sort of the first big indie movie that I did where it was much more heartfelt and emotional. Right. And so I think whenever people consider me for something like that, they'll always go back and watch or listen to Adam and say, wow, OK, this guy can do the really deep stuff, too. Yeah. Good film, by the way, too. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Well, good. And, and and currently, what do you got going on right right about now? So currently, I'm in the middle of Revolution uh, Season 2, and okay. I've got uh, about half the season left. Same thing with Supernatural. And then uh, and I start Think Like a Man 2 uh, this week, okay. and that's the uh, that's same director as Ridelong, as Tim Story, who did the first one. Huh. And then uh, and then right after that, I'm going to move on to Horrible Bosses 2. Oh, well, wow, that's a that's a full uh, calendar of stuff coming yeah, up for you. That's, well, that's, that's the rest of my year so far. Yeah, well, congratulations to all of it. It's been a pleasure talking to you about it as well. I'm, thank you for for coming on. Um, let me remind our listeners again: we're speaking with uh, Chris Leonard's and the uh, composer. I didn't say director this time. Composer uh, of a number of great films and uh, award-winning films and uh, and TV, as you mentioned, Supernatural. And um, and as well as video games. And though, for those of you uh, uh, who are more into video games, a, a Medal of Honor, a number of Medal of Honor uh, films, The Simpson Game, uh, James Bond, Quantum of Solace, Godfather Two, uh, Sims, Sims Three, Pets, and uh, Madden Twenty Five. I'm sure a lot of people. It, that covers an awful uh, wide array of video. Right. Yeah, it, sure does. it really does. Well, uh, again, my pleasure to have you on. Good luck to you in, in the future, and hopefully you'll find some time uh, in the future to stop by film school again. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you need. All right. Thank you, Chris. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.